you know, I was preparing this week uh, a message, and as I was, Jeremy came to me and he was like, man, I, I think I want to show this, this testimony video. And he said, it's going to be a little bit lengthy. It's going to be about eight minutes. And I said, well, I don't know if we want to show it or not. And, uh, and I, I said, well, I'm, I'm about to preach something here. And, uh, and he said, well, I was going to give you a verse. And, and I said, well, I was going to preach John chapter 1, verse 5. And he said, that's the verse I was going to give you. And, uh, and then he said, and, and not to mention, there's a testimony here where he talks about flipping on the light switch. So this morning, I'm going to speak about the light that overcomes the darkness. And we're going to be in John chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 5. But, you know, when we talk about Advent, obviously Advent is a season... It's, it's, it's the first season on the Christian calendar, and it means arrival or it means coming. And it's what we celebrate when we think about Jesus Christ coming to the earth the first time. The anticipation, the waiting, the longing, the thousands of years of promises throughout Scripture of God saying, we're going to set this thing right. We're going to bring light into the darkness. There's going to be an answer to the brokenness of our world. There's going to be an answer to sin. There's going to be an answer to the demonic powers that have enslaved humanity all these years but they were waiting and that promise came and now we're in a second phase of waiting for him to come once again and set all things right so when we talk about advent we're still longing for something aren't we we're still longing for God to come and set things right fully but see we're not only waiting upon God to come back for Jesus to come back and set all things right on the earth but we're being aware of the moments that God is breaking into our lives in the here and now that's what Advent's about. That's why that's such a good, honestly, a Christmas testimony. Because Jesus comes, and when He comes, there's a reason He became a child. There's a reason He was born in a manger and grew and went through all of that and lived a sinless life because He knew of these moments in our own lives when one day He would need to walk into the depths of our soul and our darkness and flip the light on. And so in John chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Have you realized here recently, like, I don't know, like every, every time we're at home or we're driving out around, it'd be like 5.30 and it's pitch black dark outside. Have y'all recognized that here recently? Like, it, it's crazy and everybody just keeps on saying it over and over and over again. It's like I get around somebody, can you believe it gets dark this early? I'm like, no, I can't believe it. We've been talking about that for a couple of weeks now. It's, I mean, it's, um, it's unbelievable. Uh, and, you know, we talk about the, the fall back and the spring forward and daylight savings time. I really do hope they pick one and stick to it because I love when it falls back. But when it springs forward, like, it takes me about two months just to get back to equilibrium. Anybody amen me on that? Like, there's a deep darkness that floods my soul during spring forward. And I need the Lord to come in and, and flip a light switch on during that time. So they need to pick one and stick with it. But I think about that. I think about the darkness. Because you're talking about in summertime, you know, at 9 p.m., you still got a little bit of sunlight left. You go hunting during hunting season here in gun season, and it gets dark. You got to get out of the woods at 6 p.m. If you shoot one after 6 p.m., you have broken the law because great darkness has flooded the earth. And I mean, it's a, it's a bad time. Uh, but I think that this time of year, honestly, is symbolic. It's a metaphor for our world at large. 
Because it seems like it's getting darker and darker earlier and earlier, so to speak. That there's more and more darkness that's pervading our lives and, and our world. And, and when we look at the world, we look at the darkness of the world. We're not talking about just physical darkness, but a world that is entangled in sin. We're looking at a world that is filled with political idolatry. There's hatred back and forth. One half of the country believes this. One half of the country believes that. They hate one another. We, 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 we play the blame game on everybody in the world. Now, even in our world, we see the sexualization of our children and just just insane things. I was talking to you last week about the last hour and certain signs that would indicate that literally we are at the end. We're at the last hour of, of everything wrapping up. And I talked to you about this book that C.S. Lewis wrote, The Abolition of Man. When in it he said that throughout human history you can look at every human civilization and until the 1940s every society, every human civilization believed that law was something outside of themselves. And then something began to switch among the enlightened ones and the philosophical ones and the educators of our day. And they decided that no, law is something that you can decide internally. Whatever you feel, whatever you think, if it's true to you, then it's your truth. And they switched that. And we have adopted that wholeheartedly in our generation to the point that darkness has, has flooded our minds and our society and our culture. And it's actually bleeding into the church to a large degree. And I, I'm not trying to get too hardcore this morning. I just want it to be a good solid message it'll speak to hearts but I got to be honest with you and you need to understand this that just 20 years ago if you had thought that it was a good idea for a seven-year-old to have a sex change operation they would have considered you a child abuser that's a fact just 20 years ago if you would have said that's a good idea do you realize that human beings prefrontal cortex which helps them in decision-making is not even fully formed until they're 25 years old but see, the, pres the, per the person who runs the government of the United States thinks it's that, that is a good idea. My point being is that we are moving into a moral darkness. We're moving into a darkness that is unheard of, that's different than something that we've ever been used to. But here's the thing. I can say that and most Christians, some of you probably would just disagree with what I just said, but most Christians would say amen. And I can preach about the darkness that's on the outside of this world and we can say amen. And I could spend the majority of this message and you all would be like, yes, you're right, Clay. The world's in awful shape. There's a darkness out there. Praise God. But I'm telling you something that Advent comes to confront is not just the darkness that's out there, but more importantly, the darkness that is in here. And the Lord comes to say to me, even as a pastor, to say, Clay, you know, if you're really going to be able to confront the darkness of this world powerfully and speak light into a dark place, you're going to have to make sure that, first of all, you confront the darkness that is within. First and foremost, judgment begins, the Scripture says, at the house of God and where there is a darkness within. And see, we're either coming out of a season of darkness. Many of you, maybe you're going through something like Justin went through. Maybe you're going through a season of darkness. Maybe you're going through great grief and loss. Maybe there's a lot of questions in your mind right now. But the truth is to be human in this world means that you're going to be confronted with the powers of darkness. Every single one of us will be tempted. Many of us will fall. We will experience loss and pain. There will be sickness and death and questions and shame and anger and all of these things that flood our hearts at one time or another. We're either coming out of darkness, we're in the middle of darkness, or we're about to be confronted by darkness once again. But see, the good news of Advent is that in that darkness is where Jesus shines His light. 
But see, when we're in that darkness, I can think of about four, maybe more than that, four specific types of darkness that we all face. Number one, the first one, is situational darkness. Now, these are just circumstances that come into your life, and you think to yourself, man, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going on. There's no comfort. There's no consolation. What's going on in your mind and deep in your heart, you're not seeing any prayers answered. Many of you right now, you're going through situations and circumstances where you have got a lot of darkness when it comes to this and what you're experiencing is worry you're experiencing concern you're experiencing anxiety you don't know what's going to happen with your job you don't know what's going to happen with your family you don't know what's going to happen with your health and you're experiencing great worry and concern over what's going on maybe you've got a doctor's test that you're just you just took and you're waiting on the results for that thing Maybe you're having inner turmoil in your marriage and, and, and certain things are going on and you just don't know how to navigate through it. Maybe uh, there could be a, a, a variety of things, but you're in this situation where things seem to be out of control. Secondly is navigational darkness. And it just seems like there's no direction for the moment. It could just be something as simple as your job. You're like, man, I just hate my job. Anybody amen me? I hear that a lot. I just can't stand it. Can't stand the environment. I don't know where to go. Would God open a door? And God's got you in that place. But navigationally, everything looks unclear. You don't know where to go. You don't know what the next step is. Maybe you've experienced great loss. Maybe you're in some serious financial difficulty. Maybe uh, there's, there's just a lot of confusion about where to go next. How do I even get to the next step in my life, God? And confusion is keeping you from having any clarity. It just seems like you're in a dark room with no place to go. Thirdly is existential darkness. And this is just kind of like when you look at your life and you have this deep feeling of purposelessness and hopelessness. You're in despair because you think, you know what, I'm just not happy. When I look to the future, it seems like there's no good that's going to come. It seems like nothing will ever change. It seems like nothing ever good happens. And I'm wondering, does God even actually care that I'm here in this situation? I'm wondering if God even hears my prayers. I come to church on Sunday morning and I hear the preacher preach and I hear this guy give a testimony. But I'm still numb to it because it doesn't seem real to me. Anytime that I've ever reached out to God, it doesn't seem like anything has happened. Is God really good? Does he really care? And you're just living in this state of, man, I, I, I'm, I'm in depression. I'm in darkness. I'm in hopelessness. And I don't know where to go. And then fourthly, there's a moral darkness that comes for us. And many of us find ourselves in that. And in John chapter 3, we know the most... Uh, Popular scripture verse in all of scripture, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but shall have eternal life. But He goes on to say that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn this world. He didn't come into the world to say, Hey, look at you, bunch of dark, wicked sinners. I'm just going to be glad to cast you all into hell. No, he didn't say that. It says that he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But then he said, this is actually the condemnation, right? John chapter 3, verse 19, this is the judgment that this light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were, were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light 
lest his work should be exposed. You ever been in that situation? I got to be honest with you. I've been in that situation in my life where there's certain things, certain deeds, certain activities, certain behaviors in my life that kept me from coming into the light because I knew that if I came, I knew that if I exposed my heart to Jesus, I knew if I came among the people of God, now I would blame it on the people of God where they're just judgmental and critical and yada, yada, yada. But deep down, what the issue was was the darkness of my own heart. I didn't want to come into the light. I didn't want to bring it into the light. Here's what Ephesians 4 says, verse 17. It says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Notice this. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves over to sensuality, Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. See, this is Paul's call to the Christian church. And he says, look, I, I realize that you used to walk just like the rest of the world. But he says, no longer are you going to walk like the rest of the world does who have their foolish hearts darkened and their understanding darkened, who have a hardened heart and have just chosen to give themselves over to every pleasure that comes their way. He says, no longer are you going to walk like that. But he says, you're going to come into a place where Christ will shine his light into your life and change that. Now, I remember specifically when I was greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Anybody remember those times in your life? Maybe you're still kind of dealing with that at some point. But I remember when I wanted nothing more than just another high, another sexual affair. I was fueled up by hatred and anger and bitterness, and I had a fil filthy language coming out of my mouth all the time. I was depressed. I was oppressed, and I just was trying to fill that void with any kind of impurity that I could. Trying to find peace, trying to find joy, and finding nothing at all. And when we live in this kind of moral darkness, we actually experience hardness of heart. We experience shame, numbness, and alienation from the life of God. We don't sense the presence of God. We can literally come into the church and tears be streaming down one person's face. And meanwhile, we're sitting in a chair thinking, man, I feel nothing. There's nothing going on because Jesus calls us to a place of repentance, just like with what Justin was saying, where he says, will you let me open that door of darkness in your life so that I can shine a light into it? Because if you let me open it, I will drive out that darkness and I will pour my love in. I will pour my goodness in. I will pour my truth in and you will find freedom. But I need you to know that all of these situations, all of these types of darkness, the enemy, Satan, the prince of darkness will use every one of these, whether it's situational, navigational, existential or moral. He'll use every dark circumstance of your life to try to bring you deeper into demonic bondage and alienate you from the life of God, cut you off from the truth of God. So wherever you are in this moment, the good news that Advent brings is that even in the darkness, we can live in great hope because I'm telling you something. It's in the greatest darkness that Jesus shines His light the most powerful. It's when it gets the most dark that Jesus gets attracted to it. When Jesus, when His boys was up, you know, they, they, they were wanting to go to the holy places. They wanted to go to all the good places. And He said, no, I, I got to go over here today. Why? Because there's some darkness lingering over in this situation that I've got to go over and flip the light switch on in. I've got to open somebody's heart up to the truth. I need them to understand that in their shame, in their pain, in their immorality, even though they've committed gross sin and wickedness, I still want to flip a light on in their soul. I still want to reach out to them in their darkness. And see, John 1, what we read in the beginning, he actually ties this in to Genesis 1 out of the very gate. 
Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And I think that's so interesting because that's before the man even in, it, it created the sun. What we must see, though, at the very beginning of this is this is not a scientific explanation, right? He's trying to make a theological concept very clear that you need to understand that when God speaks, it is done. When God proclaims a word, it happens. There's no conversation. There's no resistance. When God speaks, it comes on. And when God says, let there be light, there is light in that situation. And many of you need to hold on to this because what you need more than anything is a word from God that speaks directly into the darkness of your situation so that that light switch comes on in a moment of time. That word that came to Justin in that moment. First of all, you heard the word that he said that I thought was so beautiful. I I don't need you to be that man. I need you to be my son. You are my child. You are my daughter. You need to know how much I love you before you do any good thing. If you can never pick up your own bootstraps and get yourself out of this darkness, know that you ain't called to flip on the switch. I am the switch. I'm the one who shines the light. I'm the one who exposes the darkness. I'm the one that comes in. And the first thing that I do is tell you exactly who you are. Tell you exactly who you are, that you are my child, the one that I love. And he turns that light switch on. But God never speaks a word without it coming to pass. And whenever he speaks a word, nothing can stop it. And that's why John 1.1, 1, 1, he says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Because John wants you to know exactly who Jesus is. We talk about Christmas. Something we need to know is we need to know who Jesus is as a church. He's not just a good man. And he's not just a guy that promotes his favorite political party. He's not just a, a fellow that showed up who had good philosophical concepts. The scripture says that in the beginning was the word. That's the logos in the Greek language. And that was a Greek philosophical concept that basically meant it was an impersonal reason outside of ourselves that kept the world and the universe in order. The logos was the principle of reason that made sure everything was operating and functioning. Now, we couldn't know that principle, and that principle was uninterested in us, but it tied all things together so that we could have a world to live in. But what John says is, no, you Greeks are pretty smart. you got a lot of wisdom, and there is a logos out there. There is a word. There is a divine principle, but that divine principle is God's self-expression. And he says, this is not an impersonal reason out there somewhere in the universe. This is a God who loves you and created you with his very voice. And he said, and this word, this logos that ordered all things, created all things, and existed eternally, that logos took on flesh and became man and dwelt among us and he said you can see this logos because he walked among us for 33 years and he died on the cross for you he represented what real truth is and if you want to know what God is like you don't just wonder and question it and think that he's far out there no he's a God that is intimate with you he wants to know you and if you want to know what he's like you look at Jesus he is the eternal word of God and when we read this one of the things that we find out is that Jesus is pre-existent Jesus did not come into being when he was born as a baby in that manger. 
This scripture says that Jesus existed far before. Throughout all eternity He existed. And notice this, Jesus, through Christ, through the Word of God, the Father created time, space, and matter. He existed outside of it eternally, but He creates time, He creates space, He creates matter. And He loved you so much that He chose to take on flesh and enter into time, space, and matter in a moment of time 2,000 years ago. God Himself, who exists outside of time, outside of matter, outside of space, because He loves you, enters into time, enters into space, enters into matter, takes on flesh so that He might enter into your pain. So somebody said, man, God doesn't know anything about my pain. He doesn't care about my pain. No, He cares so much about your pain that on the cross, He bore it all. He felt the deepest depths of your pain. He felt alienation from God, the Father. He felt shame and woundedness. He felt rejection and abandonment. He felt the weight of sin on His shoulder. He became sin. He became adultery. He became abuse. He became sexual immorality. He became all of those things on the cross so that He could enter in. Never did, he, uh, never did He actually act upon any of those sins. There was no sin in Him, but He became it all before, for you on your behalf on that cross. He's coexistent with the Father throughout eternity. That means that Jesus and the Father are united as, as one, and He's self-existent. That means that there was never a moment when Jesus came into being, He was always there. The Nicene Creed says it like this in one excerpt, and I like it pretty good. It says, I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father before all ages. God from God, light from light, True God from true God, begotten, not made, one in being with the Father. Through Him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation He came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. Consider the beauty and the sacredness and the holiness of that statement. That is a confession that the Christian church has confessed and believed since the dawn of Christianity, and we still believe it to this day. This is what He's called us to believe, that this, this, this God who existed throughout eternity took on flesh and was born of... He became incarnate, literally, the Word of God was taken by the Holy Spirit and became a fetus for nine months in His mother's womb. God Himself in His mother's womb for nine months, cared for, nurtured, born, nursed by His mother, raised as a toddler, sinless, and demonstrated over the course of His life what it meant to be a human in right relationship with God as God Himself in the flesh. John's letting us know in the beginning exactly who Jesus is in these scriptures and after these verses, he makes a similar parallel because it says in Genesis 1-2 that the earth was without form and void. And notice this, darkness was over the face of the deep in the beginning. Without form and void, I've shared this several times, but they say repetition is the mother of study. But without form is a, is a Hebrew phrase, tohu abohu. And I don't know about you, but when I hear, hear that phrase, I think to myself, that's got to be bad. I don't want no tohu abohu. I mean, it sounds bad just saying it. And it is because it literally means waste and wild. It means chaos. It's the place that darkness comes to inhabit. When demonic powers are searching, going, seeking, running to and fro throughout the earth, they're seeking someone who they may devour. You know what they look for? They look for waste and wild. 
They look for chaos. They look for void in a human heart. And they say there is a darkness that we can occupy. There's an emptiness that we can occupy. When they see somebody filled with the light of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, they say, we cannot occupy there. That's not vacant. That's filled with the light of God. That's filled with the power of God. They're looking for this darkness, and there was darkness that was hovering over that waste and wild. And see, we need to understand this because when he talks about darkness, he's not just talking about some mishaps or some inconsistencies we have, but he's talking about a world that is enslaved and trapped in sin. Without Jesus, folks, you and I, we are enslaved and we are entrapped in sin. We're broken beyond our own ability to make good changes. You can get as many self-help books as you want. You can put yourself on as much medication as you want. But at the end of the day, so many of our own efforts and our own strategies against the darkness within will never overcome until the light of Jesus Christ shines into our heart. There's a supernatural power because you're not just a soul and you're not just a physical body. You are a spirit being and that spirit can only be healed by the light of Jesus Christ. There's something deeper and the world tries to convince us that there's other ways, there's other strategies. But I'm telling you, Jesus remains the answer for all of humanity because he's the one who made all of humanity. And so when we talk about darkness, we're not trying to be pessimistic. Like, you know, most people say, Clay, you know, there's enough darkness in the world. Like, you should come in Sunday and encourage people. <laughs> Amen. I want you to be encouraged. I do. But see, if you don't have a diagnosis, you can't find the remedy. You don't know the proper medicine if there's not a diagnosis. Understanding darkness in the world is not about being pessimistic. It's about being real. And if you don't realize that there's a darkness, if you don't realize that there's a sin problem, you don't realize that you have a need for a Savior. You don't realize that you have, have a need for somebody who died for your sin. You don't realize that there's somebody that's got a light that can shine into your darkness. And when we're talking about this darkness, I know that just even like as a pastor and in my own life, man, in my own family, like I've recognized over the years that there's tons of forces around us where we contend with this darkness. It could be the darkness of, of, of a married couple that's wondering if they're going to make it. It could be the darkness of somebody in severe financial trouble. It could be somebody dealing with mental illness and depression and that going on in your family and you wondering if it's ever going to stop and you even praying, God, would you set this free and, 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 and having addiction that you just can't overcome. You've been fighting it for years, but you just can't shake it. That's a darkness that infects entire families. There's a darkness of abuse where people say, I, I don't even want to share this. I don't want people. I'm so ashamed of what happened to me when I was a child. I don't even want to open up about the abuse that I'm going through. There's a debilitating ongoing illness. There's rage. There's our own personal wounds. There's the lack of a father, the lack of family. All of these things that lead to this emptiness we feel and we've got this deep darkness in our hearts. Y'all say amen to me. I know you would because every single one of you, you faced it on some level. But Advent reminds us that our world is overwhelmed by the forces of darkness, but it does not end there. If I stopped there, it'd be a bad message, wouldn't it? But if I said what Jesus said, what John said in John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The life he lived was the light of men. And I love what it says. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Up to this point, it said everything in the past tense. In the beginning was God, and through Him all things were created. 
Then all of a sudden the tense changes, and he says, and the light shines in the darkness, and it is continual present tense. It means that the light has been turned on, and it will never stop shining. Since Jesus died on the cross and the gospel went forth, there has been a, be a spotlight shining throughout the world to let people know that if you will open yourself up to this light, I can take care of that darkness that's within. Whatever you're going through, I can give you peace. I can give you love. I can give you joy. I can give you self-control over the things that are destroying your life. There is a light that shines in the middle of darkness and it never stops shining. And whatever darkness has challenged that light in the past, it has bowed its knee to the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. There is no darkness that can overcome the light that is in Jesus. And we need to believe that because I'm telling you, as a, a, a weak church in America, we actually think that there's things more powerful than Jesus Christ. And like, like if a bad thing's happened, we need to send them somewhere else than Jesus. Maybe there's another method. Maybe there's another strategy because all the church is really here to do is to make good people a little bit better. No. The church is here to preach the gospel which is the power of God unto salvation that sets the hum human being free, spirit, soul, and body. And anything le less is a heresy. Yeah. Amen. I get pumped up about it. I don't know about you all, as you can tell. He's not talking about human progress. He's not talking about human power or achievement. He's talking about the light that comes through Jesus. That light is always shining. I need you to know that. The real question is, will you open up to that light? Will you let Jesus walk down the halls of your soul and look into those rooms that you don't want nobody in and flip that switch on and say, I see everything that's going on in here. You know, there's nothing that's hidden from the eyes of God. But do you know that he won't overpower your will either? He ain't going to come into the dark rooms of your soul where you don't invite him. He's not going to force his way in. My old pastor used to say that the Holy Spirit's a perfect gentleman. He's as gentle as a dove. He's not going to fall on you, feel you, enter into the dark wounds of your soul unless you're willing to open up that door and say, I need you in this spot. I need you to see my wounds. I need you to see my grief. I need you to see my pain. I need healing in this area. And oftentimes we sit around with slammed doors in our bitterness, in our anger, wondering why God did this to us, while all at the same time saying, you ain't getting in these doors. And he's saying, but there's healing available. There's redemption available. There's salvation available. Are we opening ourselves up to that light? Many areas, I'll be honest with you, we don't want Jesus shining into. And when we sin, I'm just like the rest of everybody. When I do something badly, I'll go a whole day sometimes sitting there meditating it on my mind, forgetting that I have access to my Father who loves me, who will offer me forgiveness and cleansing and shine a light in that darkness and set me free from what I've been taking part in. Ephesians 5, 11 through 14, it says in verse 11, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Notice they do it in secret. Because dark, something about darkness, it's about being secret. You ever notice that? How many things you got in your life right now that you definitely don't want nobody to know about? Anybody. Somebody just squirmed a little bit. Because <laughs> y'all got them, right? You've got things that you don't want anybody to know about. Things that are done in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. 
For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I remember when I was in college, I was typing a paper um, and living in a dorm. How many of you, you went to EKU? Maybe if you're a male here, you stayed at Commonwealth dorm. Anybody? Anybody stay at Commonwealth? Jim, you stay at Commonwealth? My Lord, we got another one over here. What'd y'all think about it? Best place you ever live? <laughs> it was, uh, it was uh, disgusting, to say the least. I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, but I remember one night specifically, I'm sitting in the dorm room late one night. All the lights are out. My roommate's asleep in the, in the top bunk. And I'm sitting over here typing a paper, and it's pitch black dark except for my computer screen. And I hear in the darkness, under a, a refrigerator sitting on like a dresser beside me, scurrying. I'm thinking, what could that What is that, like a possum? I mean, I'm on like the 16th floor of common filth. And, 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 and I mean, what could be up here? And so what I do is I take the little light that I've got and I shine it over under that thing. And what I saw was an infestation of cockroaches just scurry. Apparently cockroaches don't like light. But the, in, in the same way... In the same way, yeah, ooh, gross, yeah. I think it's the same condition of our souls oftentimes. That if we shine the light into some of those rooms and hidden places, see, there was enough darkness that those cockroaches felt comfortable running around. But whenever the light was shined into it, they said, this is uncomfortable. We don't want no part of that. And they took off running from it. This is why he says, look, they will not come into the light for fear that their deeds would be exposed. What I'm saying is as bad as it hurts, as much shame as it seems to push up against, you need to open that door and say, no, Lord, let it shine into my heart because I need freedom more than I need to hide in secret and cover up what's going on going on in my life. Whether it be things done to me, abuse that I've been through, pain, grief, loss, whatever it may be, maybe I have stepped out of bounds in some areas and I have some addictions that nobody even knows about. But Lord, I need freedom more than I need to keep it secret. More than I need to keep it secret, I need to be free from it. And that's why there's three invitations about what it means to open ourselves up to the light of God and to live in the light and not in the darkness. Number one, we must confess the darkness within and man, that's so tough. Most people want to live a Christian life having never confessed the darkness within. They want Jesus to save them externally, but they don't want Him to live internally. They want to be able to say, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven when I die, but live internally however they choose. But Jesus is saying, no, if you will confess, I'll come and I'll do a work. But here's the thing, above all other people, Christians should actually be the people that are most aware of our own inner darkness. Anybody amen me on that? Like I think, I think I should be more aware as a Christian leader per se of my own darkness than anybody else. I should be aware of my brokenness. I should be aware of my potential to fall. Because I can look at other people and say, well, look, you know, they must not have been living right. They must have been. I have the same potential that anybody else has to slip and fall and come up under that kind of darkness. And I have to be aware of that. I have to be aware of the darkness that is within. And so weekly, I pray prayers of confession. I say, Lord, this is what I've done. These are the things, the, the places where I've missed it. These are the thoughts that I have. These are the things, Lord God, that I need to open up. And I think sometimes when the world looks at the church, they don't consider it a, a viable option for their life because the church has been terrible about opening up about their own inner darkness. They've been terrible about saying, you know what, we struggle too. 
You know what? We got some darkness. You know what? We've made some mistakes that we're going to confess and say we're sorry for. But whenever the world sees us, not as a perfect people that live in self-righteousness and are holier than everybody else, but a people that are fully relying upon Jesus Christ and His mercy and His grace and say, Lord, we're in darkness. And if you don't do something, I'm not going to make it. When they see that kind of reliance and the willingness to walk in the light and confess sin, there's something that changes. Forrest goes into these schools and he preaches in these schools to thousands of students really all over the state. And you know, he has to be very careful because they don't want him just preaching Jesus straight up. But if they come and ask questions, he's allowed to speak to them. But he uses language that's very close that draws out. And one of the things that he says all the time to these kids is vocalization ends victimization. What he's actually teaching is the principle of confession. That if you will open up about your darkness, you'll have an opportunity for some light to come in. And kids will come up to him in droves and say, this is what I've been going through. This is what I've been dealing with. And as they're doing it, they are breaking down because for the first time in their life, they've opened up about pain that they've just shoved into the depths of their soul because they don't think there's an answer for it. The only thing they know is to live in depression and fear and anxiety and worry and hate and bitterness and anger at God and anger at their parents. But when they open up, there's an opportunity for healing. Then they start asking questions about what's the option? What can I do here? 1 John 1, 5 through 9, it says, This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you. Notice this, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. I love that. Because some of us would be tempted to put darkness and pin darkness on God. And He says, in Him is no darkness at all. And notice this, if, he, if we say we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. Say, man, I, I got a good relationship with God, but I'm currently hiding a ton of sin in my life and I'm walking in darkness. He says, you lie and you do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. I love that because He's not saying that, that, that you're perfect. He's just saying that you don't keep it hidden. You bring it to God and you say, God, here's what I'm dealing with. And He says, when you walk in the light, one, you have fellowship with God. You have fellowship with your brothers and sisters. And get this, when you walk in the light, there's a continual, perpetual flow of the blood of Jesus that cleanses you from all sin because everybody in here including myself we have sin if we say we don't have sin we lie is what the scripture says but if we walk in the light we keep it in the light he says there's a cleansing flow that comes from heaven when we walk in the light it means that your life is known it doesn't contain hidden sin it doesn't contain falsehoods or deceptions Alexander Solzhenitsyn which is a wonderful name he said the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. See, it's easy for us to talk about the darkness outside. It's easy for us to say, you know what? It's them liberals. It's them Republicans. It's people who let their chewing gum land on the ground and don't pick it up. Those are the ones... We find, we find somebody to blame about everything in the world. And he said, no, it's not that party. It's not the politics. It's not that group of people. It's not your neighbor down the road. It goes through every human heart. That's where it is. That's where the darkness is. 
So number one, we must confess that darkness within, but two, we must be a source of light for those in darkness. We're called to recognize that there's so many people currently in darkness. I don't know if you realize this or not. I live my whole life, honestly, most of us, and we're just so self-focused and so inwardly turned that we don't even realize what's going on with other people. There's one guy, they attributed it to Plato. He said, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. You think that's true? Be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And sometimes I have to stop and I have to consider, Lord, what is this person going through? Because if I was aware of it, I would probably act differently. See, and this doesn't mean that we just overlook sin or we set no boundaries, but we have to realize that there are people that are hurting, they're wounded, and oftentimes they're acting terribly because of that pain and because of those wounds and because of something that's going on in their life. Parker Palmer said, the more we know about another story, the harder it is to harm or hate that person. I remember when I worked in an addiction recovery center, I got a chance to counsel, honestly, hundreds of, of men and women both. And so many times what I found, now when I counsel people, I go ahead and push into the darkness as hard as I can. I don't have fluffies. I don't like get gentle. I'm not, it almost seems like I'm not even probably that kind out of the gate. I don't know. Like people sometimes were scared, afraid to meet with me when I worked there because they were like, you about, we about to get into some stuff. You go in that room. But what am I doing? I'm shining a light in the darkness. I want to know what happened to you when you were a child. I want to know the pain that you went through. I want to know the abuse. I want to know the loss. I want to know the hidden sin that you're committing. I, I want to know all of it. You know why? Because I want you free. And Jesus wants you free. And as long as you keep it hidden and we put external stuff to make it pretty on the outside and say, well, if you could just be more positive. You can be positive all you want. You know what still lurks down in the depths of your soul? Darkness. Positivity, self-help, a motivational video does not change the darkness within. You need the light of God to shine into the depths of your soul. And so when I would talk to people, what I would find so often is finally they would let me in because I'd build a relationship with them. And I heard this statement so much, I've never told anybody this. And I knew when they said that, we're about to get some light going. We're about to shine some light on some cockroaches. There's going to be something happen right here. And I watched time after time as people would open up about their abuse, about their wounds, about their own immorality and confess it and weep and break down. And oftentimes when we went into the depths of the darkest parts of their soul, there would be darkness that would manifest in their lives and claim that it had control over them. But can I tell you this? There is no power of darkness that I've met that did not bow its knee to the name of Jesus. There's no addiction there's no abuse, there's no pain, there's no suffering that ultimately Jesus does not overcome. That darkness does not overcome that light that shines within it. Amen. And that's something that we've got to know. And my last point here is do not fear the darkness. This is it. Because we all have darkness, situational, navigational, moral, existential, whatever it is. But what I love about it is just like I said in the beginning... God does His best work in the dark. So I, I want to encourage you all with this this morning because many of you, you're going through navigational darkness. You don't know what to turn. You're dealing with illness. You're dealing something with a child that's just, you don't know how to, how to move forward and help them. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I'm telling you, God does His best work in the darkness. If you just all light all the time, there's no space for God to show up. I read a scripture this week and it blew my mind. In Exodus 20, uh, in, in Moses 
is given the Ten Commandments to the people of God and they're afraid of what's happening. But it says that Moses says this to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of Him may be before you that you may not sin. And it says, The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Now can I tell you that there is no darkness in God at all? but God is in the midst of your darkness. And when you have thick darkness where you can't see, you don't know where to go, you don't even know if God is there, what I'm telling you is you need to draw near to God in the middle of your thick darkness. In the middle of the thickest darkness you've ever experienced where you got no way to go, you have nowhere to turn, and you're wondering if God even loves you whatsoever, He's saying, would you draw near to me in the middle of your thick darkness? Because I still have a light. I'm still that light that's been shining and has never stopped shining and I love you more than you could ever imagine and I demonstrated it on the cross. I came and became a child in my mother's womb so that I could die for you. That's what Jesus is saying. Draw near in that thick darkness. Some of the greatest transformation that God will ever do in your life is in some of the seasons of the greatest darkness. I don't know why it works that way, but God loves to defeat the devil. He loves to defeat the devil. And often darkness will come in, it'll sweep in like a flood, and it'll seem like it's greater than you could ever imagine. But all God's got to do is walk into one room and flip on a switch, and they scurry. They run. And that's the beauty of this gospel of Jesus Christ. See, God doesn't come in Christ when it was all sunny outside and the birds are chirping. Back 2,000 years ago, Herod wasn't saying, Oh, it's a wonderful day. And birds were chirping and it was sunny and beautiful and everybody was just living right. And Rome, the imperial Rome, was just saying, we love you, we bought you some flowers. Now that's not what was going on. There was deep sin, deep oppression. There was murder. There was all kinds of violence and hatred. All kinds of idolatry. And Jesus showed up in the middle of that darkness. And in the same way, He shows up. I know, and you know, last week we talked about wild stuff, end times. But what I love is that when the world seems to be getting the darkest, it says in 2 Thessalonians 2.8 in the end that the lawless one will be revealed, empowered by the prince of darkness. And he says the Lord will consume him with the breath of his mouth. And notice this, destroy him with the brightness of his coming. Wendell Berry said it like this. He said it gets darker and darker and darker and then Christ is born. It gets darker and darker and darker, and then Christ is born. I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart, I believe that if you will, Justin's testimony even this morning was a, a prophetic word, if you'll receive it as such, that what God did in his life, flipping those switches on in the depths of this, the rooms of his soul, God's going to do in some of your all's lives, if you'll let him in. If you'll let him into the pain, if you'll let him into the addiction, if you'll let him into the sin, he wants to come in. So first we confess our darkness and humility. Secondly, we recognize that we're called to be a light to people that are in the middle of darkness. Isaiah 60 says that deep darkness will cover the earth, gross darkness the people, but the glory of the Lord shall shine upon you. And lastly, we don't fear the darkness because there's a power that's greater than that darkness. Amen. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. This morning, I, I want you to take a moment just to ask Jesus 
Now I'm going to ask that same prayer that they prayed over Justin. I'm going to say, Lord, would you shine a light into every crack and every crevice, every hidden room of every soul. Shine that light now. Would you ask Jesus to do that? Would you say, Jesus, would you shine your light into every room of my soul? into every crack and crevice, expose the darkness that is within my heart. Because what I need more than anything else is I need your salvation, I need your freedom, I need your power, and I need your blessing. If you're here this morning and you've been living in darkness, you've been walking in darkness, you don't know Jesus as the Lord of your life, you've not received Him as Savior, you're not even sure about your eternal situation. And you say, today's the day I want to, as an act of faith, I want, I want to step toward Jesus this, this morning. Just as an act of faith, would you raise your hand and say, that's me, I feel I see the Holy Spirit drawing me and I'm ready to begin to walk with Jesus. Just as an act of faith, would you raise your hand and let me know. Just between me and you and God. Anybody at all? Well, praise the Lord. I'm going to assume then that most of us are just in a situation where we may have darkness because many of you, like I said, it may be situational. But right now, Lord, what we're praying is that in this moment, you would turn the light on. Turn the light on and shine your light to bring love, to bring healing, to bring freedom, to bring peace, to speak over each person. You are my son. You are my daughter whom I love in whom I'm well pleased. And God, do your work by the power of your Spirit in every heart this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to respond to the Lord here. We've got a baptism in just a moment, but I want us to not skip to that too soon. I want us to worship together, to take a moment to pray. If you would like to, I, honestly, I, I'm, I would take a moment if I were you to respond to this. And let the Lord shine as brightly as He can into your situation. If you need prayer for anything, please come forward. You can pray around this altar on your own. You can pray at your seat. If you need us to pray with you, we would love to you. Come forward. Let's take a moment to pray and worship. Thank you all. Thank you, Lord.